Hear the word of God from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. Hear, children, fatherly instruction. Pay attention to gain understanding. I'll teach you well. Don't abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and my mother's favorite, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget and don't turn away from my words. Don't abandon her and she will guard you. Love her and she will protect you. The beginning of wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding before anything else. Highly esteem her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place a graceful wreath on your head. She will give you a glorious crown. Listen, my son, and take in my speech. Then the years of your life will be many. I teach you the path of wisdom. I lead you in straight courses. When you walk, you won't be hindered. When you run, you won't stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't slack off. Protect it, for it is your life. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome everyone. It's so good to be with you on this amazing day, and it's beautiful out. And I know we've got a couple of uh, first-time uh, guests want to welcome you, want you to know wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whatever you have going on in your life, whatever you believe or don't believe, you're welcome in this place. This is a place where we make God's love real and we accept you where you are and invite you to take your next step in your spiritual journey. So before we get started today, let's just uh, let's say a quick prayer. God, we recognize that sometimes we're wise and sometimes we're foolish, but we need to remember. I pray that my words might not get in the way but that your words might shine through the scripture, through the, the liturgy of the communion, through my words in the sermon. Make them be your words and set our hearts on fire. In Christ's name, amen. So we're in uh, week two of Great Things, exploring Proverbs, Proverbs 4, and I'm going to dash in a little bit of James 3 as well. And in Proverbs are supposed to instruct both the wise and the foolish. Who are the wise and the foolish? us, right? They remind, they were originally to remind the nation of Israel that God had taught them a lot of lessons, but they were pretty forgetful, and that was often their problem. So Proverbs 4 could just as easily be titled, and great things that God has taught us. So some of you know that my grandfather was like my dad. My dad left when I was really, really young, and he taught me and shared a lot of wisdom, most of which I ignored for most of my life. But when I was nine, he and my grandmother moved down from Pittsburgh down to Spring Hill, Florida. At that time in 1982, it was very sparse. And I would continue to visit twice a year and he would continue to love me just like a dad would love his kid. And some of my fondest memories of growing up were spending time with him doing one of our favorite activities. And that activity was crabbing. Have any of you ever been crabbing? 
Some of you have, just a few. It's kind of fun. Um, we had three traps, but my favorite looked like this one that they're going to throw up on there. So there was a, it was a pyramid trap, and then we'd connect the bait to the middle, and then it was connected to a long rope, and you'd whip that rope out, and then if it landed correctly, it would open up, and it would be like a crab trap, right? And so... You know, soon after I'd whipped those suckers out, I wasn't really that wise. I wanted to pull them back in quick. So I was getting very, very frustrated with crabbing. Very frustrated. I mean, because if you've ever crabbed, you know it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. You have to set the traps out, throw those suckers out, let them sit, and wait. That's pretty hard for a nine-year-old. It's pretty hard for a 46-year-old too. But on one particular frustrating day, my grandpa Russell pulled me aside and imparted some of the life wisdom that I haven't always utilized, but I have never forgotten. He said, Justin, patience is the key to wisdom. In crabbing in, in life, you will have to wait all you can do is do the right things, prepare, and be patient. Bless you. Throw out your trap. Let it open, but wait. Sometimes there will be times in life you'll get to pull that sucker in quickly, and there will be a bounty. But more times than not, it won't. You have to have patience. You see, Proverbs 4 offers us wisdom and sound instruction for this Hyde Park community. We can remember and apply and hold on to the great things that God has taught us. But first, I want to get to a quick question. Will you throw the question up? What was an important lesson, for those adults here, uh, that an adult taught you when you were a kid that you have never forgotten? Anybody want to? Or if you're a kid, what's one lesson that an adult taught you that's been impactful for you? Anybody? Use good manners. Use good manners. Save money. Save money. Adversary, Adversary, Adversary makes you stronger. That's good. Determination, determination to have determination. I think that's in the book somewhere. Do unto others as you're doing this. That's, that's good. It's good advice. It's good advice. Listening and paying attention, which half of you aren't. So here, take that advice right now. All right. So before we dive a little bit more into uh, Proverbs, I want to talk about the two types of wisdom in James 3. 3.13 from James. He says that there's wisdom from below and there's wisdom from above. Here's the thing, both look like wisdom, but their outcomes are a little bit different. James says that if we have, even if this is subtle, even if this, we hide this from others, if we have envy or ambition or are boastful, this is what he says result when we have that. Even if we're applying wisdom, he says disorder and plunder result. Isn't that interesting? We don't receive blessings and we don't share when we don't share love. James says that wisdom from above is pure and gentle and merciful and without a trace 
of hypocrisy. Some of you here are going to the Enneagram teaching that's been down at the portico. And that is about the subtlety of motivation. And I think that's what wisdom really comes from. When we can understand both our good motives and then also our not so good motives, even when they're covered and look like good motives. That's where wisdom often begins. So we can do good works as people following Jesus with wisdom from above or wisdom from below. And James exhorts us to show by our good life that our works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. So how can we live this wisdom out? This sounds nice and kind of, you know, up here. How can we live out wisdom from above? Said in a different way, how can we love God, our neighbor, our enemies, and do good works with gentleness, mercy, and peace? How can we do that? So I'm going to suggest that we have to go somewhere, that you have to go somewhere. You have to go into a dangerous neighborhood. Do you know where that neighborhood is? It's your mind. If you want to get wisdom, if we want to be instructed, if we want to have good counsel, we have to go into our mind. Proverbs 4.23 says this, more than anything you guard, protect your mind because your life flows from it. Because both kind of wisdom begin in your heart and your mind. And the mind is often a treacherous place. Now I said this in the chapel this morning and some people are like, no it's not. And I, and, and I suggested that if I connected little things to your mind and connected it to that, I bet you wouldn't want anyone to see some of the thoughts that you've had even since you've walked in here today, right? We hide those. We've, we've got a, a talker to us all the time. Talking good and beautiful and holy thoughts, but also whispering words of ambition and lust and perhaps even disdain. Slowly whispering to us, so we have to go into the dangerous neighborhood, which is our head, and you shouldn't travel there alone all the time. But first, I want to acknowledge with wisdom, what, how does wisdom come about often? Through failing, through making mistakes, right? Jack Hiles, he's a preacher uh, long ago, he said, failing is not a disgrace unless you make that the last chapter of your book. Don't make it the last chapter of your book. Often we acquire wisdom, not by doing it right, but by doing it wrong. And then we're, paradoxically, we're able to access God's grace in a more profound way because we've done it wrong. And we can ask for forgiveness, especially after 30. Because after 30, I haven't learned too much with my successes, but I've learned lots with my failures. And God will use any failure, any failure, so, remembering is an important uh, component of wisdom. In Proverbs 4, 5, to read it again, says this, let your heart hold on to my words, keep my commands and live. Again, that place where our motivation, it, it, 
begins, our, our wisdom begins in our hearts and our minds. Don't forget and don't turn away from my words. And the writer knew that it wasn't an easy task for them, for a church, for people like you and me. It's tough to remember. And how I define sin is sin is disordered relationship between me and God, between me and myself, and between me and others. And sin often shows up in three forms. Forgetfulness, that's why we see in the Bible over and over again, uh, the nation of Israel forgetting, the disciples forgetting. We forget. We forget who God is, who we are, who we're called to be. Second, we're distracted a lot by life, by good things, by wonderful things, by the talking to us. So sin shows up as distraction. And last but not least, and this can sometimes be subtle, is sin or separateness shows up as self-reliance. We'd rather rely on ourselves rather than God. And true wisdom comes from this place when we can rely on God for the many things in our life. So we must remember the great things that God has done in our lives, in the life of this church. And so I'm gonna give you one right here. Do you know that you are sitting in a bar? Did y'all know that? Some of you did. This used to be called the Magnolia Bar. And when Gasparilla used to come up this road right here, they used to ride horses in and through the bars and shoot guns up in the air. And there's this little old lady, I can't remember her name for the life of me, but anyway, she used to start praying. She prayed that God would close the bar. Someone said she didn't pray hard enough because it never closed until way after she passed. And now we have this because of her prayers, because of the community long ago. I want to tell you another story that's equally as good if not better and March 12 1899 on the corner if you just go up Magnolia this used to be called 7th Street actually but where that firehouse is on the corner if you know where that it's actually a residence now but it's a firehouse in 1899 March 12 30 people gathered for the first Sunday school slash worship service of Hyde Park United Methodist Church the legend was that the Platte Street Bridge wouldn't go up and down and so they wanted to start this uh, budgeting rural suburb of Hyde Park and reach new people for Christ. And 30 people met there. And that house, by the way, that's no longer there is on Swan Avenue. It's this one. Will you show it? Throw it up. Picture of the house. That's the original house of Hyde Park United Methodist that used to sit right there. It's right on Swan Avenue. If you come down here and turn right, It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And what those people sang that day was, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. That's been the foundation of what we've been doing for 120 years, making God's love real. It's out of that hymn and out of that story of those unnamed people, we are together. We are here making God's love real to kids and to people experiencing homelessness and to one another. It's a great thing. And this last year, we've been going through this visioning process and we wanted to clarify making God's love real, how we do that by teaching people to follow Jesus and to love God and love all. And that's why we're doing all the things that we have been lifting up over these last few weeks. 
Because we believe an intentional, for you, an intentional growing relationship with the living God, Jesus Christ, is the remedy for forgetfulness, is the remedy to get us from distraction to focus, and last but not least, move from more self-reliance to God-reliance, an intentional and growing relationship with God, born from wisdom from above. Sounds pretty nice, right? But how the heck do we put that into application? I'm gonna give you three words and I'm gonna test you on the way out. <laughs> I tested the chapel, only half of them got it. <laughs> Here they are. Practices, people, apprentice. Say that with me. Practices, people, apprentice. First, practices. Practices, spiritual practices, point us to our due north. Point us to Jesus. We've been hitting this hard over the last few weeks because we believe so deeply in them. One of the jobs of the church, that's us, is to encourage one another and to equip each other to do these practices all throughout the week. And we've been talking about grip. Everyone know what that is? Some of you don't. You're new. You don't have to. Just mouth it. No one will know. It's dark. Ready? What does G stand for? Give generously. What, is read, what does R stand for? Oh, you, there it is. Let's see how good you are at this. What does I stand for? And last, pray. We want, we want you to pray with confidence and conviction. We want you to invite others who don't have a faith home to experience God through the love of Christ and through this church. You see, these practices that we, people are in different places. You know, sometimes we start praying, we're going, I'm so hungry. I pray for Casey, hope she's doing well. Oh my gosh, what laundry. We want you to start somewhere. You get scared to invite somebody because you're afraid because they're gonna think you're a Jesus freak or something like that. Just say, come and see, right? You can just give them, hand them a card and say, hey, come and see. You gotta, you gotta check, out, check out what we got going on here. Want to read scripture? That gets to our second. People. Say this with me. Other followers help us follow. Other followers help us follow. We are in worship together, worshiping God, and that's super important to remember. It helps us remember. It helps us get, hopefully, inspiration. It helps set us out on the right course for the week. But who are the people that know your life? Who are the people that know what you're going through at work or in your relationship or the sickness that you're dealing with or the sin or shame that you have in your life or the joys? Who are those people? Other followers help us follow. I've been meeting with the same, not the same guys, but I've been meeting for since 2006, 13 years at 6.30 in the morning every Tuesday with some dudes to keep me accountable, to help me focus. Who are the people in your life that are helping you follow and give your due north to loving God and loving neighbor? That's why we wanna hit this so hard with small groups. Proverbs 27 says, you'll be familiar with it because you've heard the statement, iron sharpens iron. One person sharpens the wit of a friend. You see, brothers and sisters, coming to worship is really important and really good, but we need each other to help love. We need each other to help make God's love real. 
We need each other to say, oh yeah, I, I, probably, need to, I probably need to pray. I need to, I've been relying on myself. I've been forgetting that I need God. Practices. If you haven't found a small group, I encourage you to sign up for our Advent group. Debbie will tell you more about that or sign up for the Bible Project. Or if there's any guy here right now that doesn't have a small group and you are available at 7.30 on Tuesday mornings, you're invited to the Bible study that Joe does who's usually here with us. We look at the, we look at the scripture for the upcoming Sunday. There's no homework. You just come and we pray and we look at the scripture and you help me write the sermon. You're invited. And if there are women here, we've got women's groups both at the portico and other places and we will help you. And then there are couples group Tuesday nights and mixed groups. Wherever you are, we want you to connect in because we believe that God will work in and through that small group. Now, don't feel guilty if you're not. This isn't a, this isn't a guilt place. We, we know some of you are busy, but find a way to find your people because other followers help us follow. So last but not least, apprentice. If we want to cultivate wisdom, we must apprentice with a mentor. Find a mentor for your spiritual journey. We know we do this when we're out of shape. We find a mentor to help us get in shape. Or in business, if we want to learn something from somebody who has more of a skill, we, we find somebody further along the journey to help us along and to develop skills we don't have. That's what apprentice means. So in the Old Testament, Samuel had Eli. New Testament, Timothy had Paul. Who's yours? Who's yours? We all need at least one person in our life, just one who can help us dive into that dangerous neighborhood up here to test our motives and our direction and our judgment. They're akin to my grandfather, helping us discern where to throw our cab traps and where to, when to pull them in. Mentors should be around, oh, oh, further along in the journey. And I wanna just give you some names that helped me. When I first came to this church, I knew nothing about anything. I was a baby, I still am. But Rob and Kim Frost led me through Disciple Bible Study. Rachel Burns, when I first came on to staff and I was young and uh, arrogant and thought I knew everything, helped shape me and, and my leadership and what to do and what not to do and ask important questions. Who are those people for you in your Christian life? And now I have uh, a spiritual mentor I meet with once a month. I drive over to Largo once a month and he listens to me and tells me, gives me encouragement. He says, just keep asking, keep asking God, Justin. Keep asking God for wisdom. If you don't have one, pray for one. I guarantee God will make that person show up. I really believe that. So the last scripture I want, I want to share with you is hold on to instruction. Don't slack off. That's kind of my favorite. Don't slack off. Protect it, for it is your life. Here's why it matters. This is why it matters. People, practices, and apprenticeship. It's about us here and now, but it's also about the future. I want you to hear the words of original member of Hyde Park, Leslie June Weller Connor, from over 100 years ago. She said, Hyde Park opens wide. It's doors to all who hunger for God and his righteousness. 
It seeks to provide rest to weary spirits, comfort for troubled hearts, and to inspire all to follow Jesus in purity of life and in unselfish service to humankind. You see, if we're going to hold on to instruction and we're going to continue to live wisdom from above, as we do it, we're going to reach out for the next 120 years. So more generations can connect with this place and come to the experience Jesus Christ, the power of his love and his grace and his mercy. And he's gonna do it through people. He's gonna do it through practices and he's gonna do it through apprenticeship. Do these things and you will live wisdom from above. Let's pray together. God, we give thanks for these uh, brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ. Help us to go about and practice. Help us to find our people and help us to find our mentor so we can apprentice and we can love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. Help us to do unto others as you would ha have us do to ourselves. In Christ's name we pray, amen.